Hey everybody, this is Zandrick Ellison. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Because if you came here looking for some insight or wisdom, you may have come to the wrong place. Over the last few weeks, I've been writing about the NFL and making projections and predictions and acting like an expert. And then week one happens. And I look like a fool. Like a lot of us out there probably do. Personally, I had the Chargers being a great team. I had the Jets being a terrible team. So... I wanted to regroup and talk to some fans after week one to see how they're doing. You know, whether their confidence is shaken in their teams or themselves and how they can make sense of this crazy league going forward. So we have two interviews today with fans who really know a lot about the teams and can offer more insight than the casual fan might know. The first one's going to be with Mike, who's a great Chargers expert and analyst, I'll call him. And the Chargers are interesting because they're a team that I thought would be great and underwhelmed in week one and our second interview is with the Bills fan and it's a slightly different situation there low expectations to start but you know Nathan Peterman limboed under those low expectations anyway so I wanted to gauge how Buffalo's feeling about the future going forward so we'll have those interviews back to back and then afterwards I may talk a little bit about teams we haven't touched on like the Lions and Steelers and other teams that might be trying to get their feet after week one. So hope you enjoy. I really wanted to call in some help because clearly I didn't have a feel for the season. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I wanted to reach out to somebody who might know what they're talking about and gauge our expectations a little better. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Yep, Zandrick, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. I was excited about your team. <laughs> I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I thought they were the strongest team on paper. And then they come out and lose week one. Yeah. I mean, you know, same old Chargers like you always hear. Um it sucks. I mean, I was expecting the win too. I expect us, I still expect us to have a great playoff run, but you know, it wasn't anticipated, obviously a super sloppy game, but it's something I think we're going to clean up, but we'll see. Well, well, taking a step back. So I was super high on the chargers just based on the momentum last year, just yeah. based on the talent on the depth chart. So if I would have asked you, you know, Saturday before mm-hmm. the game, yeah. What were you penciling in for this team? What were your expectations? Maybe not Super Bowl, but you thought deep playoff run? I thought, yeah, deep playoff run at the least. And I think the general consensus among Chargers fans right now is anything less than even one playoff win is going to be a huge disappointment for the season. Because like you said, we do have an extremely talented roster, especially in the AFC, which I still think is pretty weak. Didn't improve much after last year, honestly. So anything less than that one playoff win would be not ideal. Well, and also the way I looked at it is your passing game was clicking last year and the the defense had talent on every level. And I, I said Super Bowl champion before the Joey Bosa injury hit. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, you know, obviously a huge blow. You don't go from losing a 15 sack player and, and not miss a beat. But I still thought there was enough talent on this defense to, to get by for a few weeks you gave up 40 plus points to, you know, the chiefs. Are you, you were you disappointed? 38, 38. <laughs> well, based on the, what the, no, the defense gave up 38. No, that was, that was total. Final score was 38. Oh, okay. 38. Okay. I'm thinking yeah. of the saints. I just, I got oh. another team that I thought would do better. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just off <laughs> all, all weekend. Yeah. So 38 points, still not great. No. And so did you think 
was it more the matter of the, the Chargers just not having the horses or the Chiefs were just much better than we all expected? I do think, and I've said this on Reddit and I got roasted for it, but I think the better team lost this game in the long run. Um, Joey Bosa, speaking of him, supposed to get his second opinion today, so kind of been panicking about that all day. But um, I think that loss was obviously huge. You know, our his backup is Isaac Rochelle, our seventh-round pick from last year. And he did really well in the preseason. But honestly, in the game on Sunday, he was completely invisible in the pass rush. And that yeah. hurt us a lot. That really hurt well, us. I, I just remember Isaac Rochelle. People might not know his name. He was kind of a big high school recruit. Yeah, yeah. And kind of underwhelmed in college. I always viewed him more as like a two-way kind of rotational player. I didn't see him as a long-term defensive end standout. Um, but I guess you guys do like those bigger linemen, huh? Yeah, I, he doesn't fit the position perfectly. He's obviously a little bigger than Joey. But at the end of last year, you know, he got some reps in some of those games that we started to blow out. And he looked good. I think he had two sacks, maybe one and a half. I mean, he did decently well. He did really well in the preseason. And he did well as a run stopper on Sunday, but you know the pass rush wasn't there. They and then they just bottled up Ingram with double teams most of the time, and we couldn't get to Mahomes. And credit to him, he just played a great game. And one of my favorite Chargers that I was really excited about was Denzel Perryman. It was mm-hmm. I consider like sort of like a poor man's Ray Lewis. He just seems <laughs> like a fiery run stuffer from Miami. Yeah, it, it, he was injured last year. Mm-hmm. I expected a big leap from him. How do you think he played on Sunday? I think he played great. If you, if you, I don't know how much of the game you got to watch, but the the run defense was very solid. I was impressed. I was very worried. You know, Kareem Hunt destroyed us last year in two games, and the run defense this week. I think we only gave up like sixty five yards. So he played well. He got hurt at one point. It wasn't out too long, but came back and still played well. Well, and that was a big concern going into the year because your run defense last year wasn't great. So you really <laughs> wanted to see that step up. And, I, yeah. and maybe it's just a matchup issue. Like, I, I think the Chargers' secondary is strong, but it's not a speedy secondary in all, all things considered. Like, somebody like Desmond King is not a 4-3 guy. Right, right, Casey exactly. Hill, and that's why – yeah, and I think the coaches know that and knew that, and that's why they went out and got a guy like Kaiser White, as our who's now our starting uh, weak side linebacker as of this week, who's, you know, a quick guy for a linebacker. But you're right, that was the big mismatch. Um, Tyreek Hill and his blazing fast speed. I don't know who's going to keep up with him in the NFL. I, I, am, I feel bad for whoever has to play the Chiefs each week. But kind of in a big picture, you know, stepping back, I don't think the defense was a huge problem. Obviously, it wasn't great. But like I said, you know, we gave up 38 points. Seven of those came off the punt return, which is, you know, special teams is just a whole new – the same old story, as always. Right. And then we gave up another seven points because our rookie – undrafted rookie punt returner dropped the ball on the eight-yard line, ran back, tried to pick it up, and fumbled it right into the Chiefs' arms on the two, and that was just a free touchdown. So the defense really only gave up 24 points, which is, you know, not ideal. But against that really good offense, I'll take it. And the offense did enough to win that game, if not for the special teams' blunders. Well, and, you know, that's why I've been such a – admirer of Dave Tube or Tobe or however you say it. I yeah. say Tube, the special teams coach for the chart, uh, the chiefs. And I always consider him a viable and strong head coaching candidate because yeah. his special teams have been good for two decades yeah. now. And I don't think people put two and two together saying in these close games, maybe this one slipped away a little bit, but it could have been winnable if your special teams played better. Right. Right. It, it's, it's not a coincidence. The teams with great special teams, like the chiefs and the Ravens and the Patriots and the Eagles, I would say, to some degree, mm-hmm. 
are pulling out an extra game or two in the season and, and making the playoffs every year. And the Chargers are the opposite. The Chargers continually bungle that side of the ball, and it may not seem important, but it seems to haunt you every year. No, I, I completely agree. And honestly, Dave, Dave Taub, Tobe, whatever it is, he was my first choice for the Chargers uh, head coaching position when, uh, when we got Lynn after we fired McCoy. Um, and I think a lot of people actually expected him to win the job. Lynn was a surprise to all of us. But yeah. you're right. I, I don't know what it is with our team. I and mean, we've, we've gone through different coaching regimes and different players, obviously, and special teams. We just can't get it together. Well, I, I was interested in that because I was hyping up Tobe and his resume. He's great at punt returns and kick returns and also holding opposing kick returns and punt returns. Yep. And it does seem like the Chiefs kickers always do well, whether it's a random or like Harrison Buckner. And so it, I'd be curious to dig deeper and to see how good he is across the board in terms of covering kicks and kickoff returns and alternatively how bad a bad special teams coach can affect all these things it it doesn't seem like it should make the kickers worse but maybe there's adjustments like a pitching coach that that a special teams coach should be making right and and i don't know i mean i i probably know as little about you know special teams coverage and the nuances of that as you do but He's got to be doing something. And real quick, I want to give a shout out to Harrison Bucker. I actually went to school with him. Fantastic <laughs> dude. Funny. So beyond happy for him seeing him succeed. So clutch at Georgia Tech. And I think he's going to have a long, great career. Wow. Special celebrity <laughs> shout out. <here. laughs> yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> so talk about you. If you had Harrison Bucker, you would have been in heaven. This, this last. Oh, I know, man. I. <laughs> That would have been incredible. I saw the Chiefs or the when the Panthers cut him. I was like, "Oh, we need to we need to get him. We get a, need to get him. Who's this young way, dude? Let's get Bucker." And then we all know how that ended. Well, it's funny, and uh, and about your special teams. Who knows wh- how you train as a special teams coach? I don't know if it's they grew up little boys dream up of being special teams coaches. <laughs> yeah. But your special teams coach, I was looking up his resume. He was a wide receiver coach for Minnesota for ten years, mm-hmm. and then hired by the chargers yeah i think it's his first time coordinating that on his own at least i mean i've heard he's an anthony lynn buddy i mean do you guys gripe about is this guy qualified or is it just some bad luck uh i think you nailed something there and i know in your your kind of call for people to get on the podcast you you asked about you know confidence in anthony lynn and one of the things is i think in general people love anthony lynn we think he's a great coach obviously you know new he's made he's had some growing pains but it seems to be probably his biggest flaw right now is loyalty to, to a fault at a, at a, at a certain level. As you mentioned, George Stewart obviously has not been a good special teams coach. Our special teams has been a disaster for a while. And you're right. He had, he is a Anthony Lynn mentor. He even promoted him to, you know, assistant head coach this year. And I think we're all kind of wondering, is he, you know, at one point, does he let him go? If, if this continues or is he going to be around next year? They renewed you know, his contract last year. It wasn't like we were just holding him on. They gave him a new contract in this offseason despite his you know, shortcomings. Well, in a way, it's going to be a weird comparison. But a lot of times when people get a new job that they're not entirely comfortable with, like Anthony Lynn, first-time head coach, kind of a surprise head coach, as you said, they surround themselves with these almost like security safety blankets. Right. Like, I, you're my friend. You're going to support me. I need more support. And I, the weird comparison I was going to make is Donald Trump <laughs> because he's kind of new at a job, doesn't really know what he's doing. So he just surrounds himself with people that he's familiar with, right, right. whether or not they're qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the same situation here. It happens a lot in coaching. People yep, have yep. small circles 
Um, another example is Jim Caldwell for the, the Lions. Yeah. I remember Lions fans being upset that his buddy, I think his name is Ron Prince, was sort of the assistant coach, mm-hmm. run game guru who couldn't run the ball. And he lasted all of Caldwell's tenure and the two ended up leaving together. And mm-hmm. um, I imagine special teams is not high profile enough where the, the ownership might go to him and say, fire him or you're fired. But <laughs> like you said, it does, it does make you wonder about his leadership style and how he delegates. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And we, as fans, you know, we a lot of times forget that the coaches and the players are human. They, you know, they have those emotional attachments and they've got their, their misgivings. And I think that is something with Stewart, you know, he really is attached to him. Lynn is obviously trying to make a culture of, you know, high character in the locker room. And it's Stewart is someone that he respects and he trusts. So I I can only fault him so far for keeping the guy. If if it's someone that he thinks is bringing a good mentality to the team and someone who fits in with the culture, you know? Well, I I could fault him if the the special (laughs) teams keep struggling. No, yeah, yeah. And, to and to the, a point, to a, there's right. a point, obviously. Well, well, that's the larger issue, I think, with yeah. the Chargers, is I think they're going to be fine. Talent-wise, Rivers is, is clicking. He's, mm-hmm. The receivers look good. You miss Hunter Henry, but still, I don't worry about the offense. You made a good point. The defense played better than the stats show, or mm-hmm. me claiming they scored 40 points <laughs> against them. You're saying it's 24. Yeah. And the special teams, you know, maybe it'll come around. It, my big, the big hurdle I have with the Chargers, and one of the reasons I almost didn't pick them, in the Super Bowl is is Anthony Lynn. I, I still want to see more from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this bill as a running game guru. It's helped to some degree, not totally. Mm-hmm. I haven't been wowed by his leadership style. <laughs> it's only year two. What do you guys think? I, you, you said before you're confident still. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Anthony Lynn so far. I think he is a good coach. I think he will become a better coach right now. He's new. For example, I think, you know, he had a big misstep on Sunday when he we went out for a field goal with only a minute left and kind of a, you know, a desperate, maybe we kick a field goal, get an onside kick, score a touchdown type of thing. But instead of calling a timeout, we had all, or I think we had two timeouts left. Instead of calling the timeout to set up the field goal, he forced Sturgis to rush onto the field and still ended up taking like 20 seconds off the clock, setting up the field goal, <laughs> forced him to kick a 48-yarder uh, with not a lot of time and rushing it, and he ended up missing it. And I think that was a case where, you know, hindsight, the kind of obvious thing there was to call the timeout. Well, especially if you're thinking onside kick. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was a poor decision on his part, but I think it's something that'll get worked out. We haven't seen a lot of those rookie mistakes, in my opinion. And I think his other shortcomings so far that Chargers fans have been upset about are some strange personnel choices, especially when it comes to the starters, especially there's one in particular that really has Chargers fans fired up right now, and that's uh, strong linebacker, strong side linebacker Kyle Emanuel, who is terrible in coverage, okay at setting the edge. He's not terrible, but he's just not a good football player in a lot of our opinions. And we have second-round rookie uh, Uchenna Nwosu, who was brought in to do that job, and it's confusing to a lot of people why he hasn't won the job. So I would say that's the other big thing, but well, that that's an interesting point. And, you know, going around the league, it seems like a t- common trend that a lot of stubborn coaches make on defense is these bigger, sort of old school, slower footed linebackers that get beaten in coverage. Yep. Um, I know Cincinnati's had that problem for years too. So maybe it is a stubbornness on his behalf 
on yeah. Lynn's behalf, but maybe maybe it could just be the second round picks not ready yet. And right. You'd yeah. A few more games. Right. Yeah. And Kyle, I mean, the thing with Kyle, the reason the coaches have said they keep him around is because he, you know, he knows the system. He knows the playbook. And I get that. Uchenna is new. He's played. They're kind of switching Uchenna between pass rusher as a, as a D end, as a Leo and a Sam. So I think maybe splitting that time is kind of hurting his growth at both positions, at least in the short term. So that could be, there's pro, there's a lot of things that go into it. We don't really know. Well, I feel good. I'll tell you. And, and I think one of the reasons they, they kind of took a gamble on Anthony Lynn is they felt good about these coordinators. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken Wisenhut's been there for a while, stayed in place. Yeah. Gus Bradley's, you know, one of the top defensive coordinators, I'd say, yeah. in the league. So he's really just there to provide leadership. And you're saying he does do a good job of, of that in the locker room. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel better about that. Work on the game day decisions. Right. Um, so going forward, I think that, you know, I kind of down short side shorted the Chiefs just because I wasn't sure about Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mahomes looks more ready than not. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are still in that mix. Do you think the Chargers are still confident that or Chargers fans are still confident that you can make the playoffs now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there was the huge overreaction as the game's going. Everyone freaking out, you know, same old Chargers. But. I'm not freaking out yet. I was obviously not happy with the win or the loss, <laughs> but we have the bills next week. And <clears throat> excuse me, if we lose to the bills, then yes, I will be in full on. <laughs> yeah. You, mode, blow the whole thing up. You but might as well blow the franchise. Up. Oh yeah, yeah. But I have zero expectation that there's any world where that would happen. And so I think it's coming at a perfect time where the team, you know, they might be a little down after last week because of the high expectations, but if we can go into Buffalo and just take them apart like we did last year and get the confidence back and get the team rolling, then I think we're going to have a fantastic season. And I think that might be telling because advanced stats say that point differential does matter mm-hmm. and it is a sign beating up on weak teams like Buffalo. Yeah. So if the Chargers come out of there with a four point, seven point win, I, I wouldn't feel good. Right. If, if they win by 20, then I think we're both thinking they're right back on track, yeah. ready to win nine or 10 games. Yeah. Um, I hope so. I'm going to look pretty stupid if, if the Chargers <laughs> win seven or eight games. This oh, year, yeah. So. yeah. And I'm t- you're, you're coming down on this ship with me. You're, you're tied <laughs> together. Yeah, I think all the Chargers fans are. We'll never hear the end of it if we lose to the Bills next week. I know. Well, then I'll probably pick you in next year anyway. Um, but but thanks. I think you guys are good shape. Thanks for giving us some insight into what the minor issues are. Overall, sounds like faith is still there in this team, and you're excited. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Go Bolts. We're going to have a good year. We got to have a good one this year before we got to get it done while Rivers is still here. And he's got a few more years, but we got to get it done. This is his best team in a decade. Mm-hmm. Let's get Bosa back. Let's get in the playoffs. And then from there, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on today. No, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your insight. We'll talk soon. Bye. So our next team on the agenda is maybe the team that had the worst week one, the Buffalo Bills. And we had to call in somebody who didn't jump off a cliff yet, somebody who didn't flip <laughs> the wrist yet. Athos, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. Um, you know, I love the Bills. I'm, I've been living in the Buffalo area for the past 15, 16 years, and I'm a ride-or-die Bills fan. I've been thrown into a couple tables, and I've thrown some other people in the tables. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still, you still have a laugh on you. You still have a good spirit. I figured it would be like the purge up there. People would just be freaking out. 
You know, um, I know we made the playoffs last season, but the expectations have been so low for the past 17 years that none of us are really going into panic mode right now. Um, Well, that's kind of where I wanted to start because, you know, there's two types of Bills fans I've noticed on Reddit. The Bills fans who think that 9-7 and was legitimate, basically, or, you know, the start of something big, and the ones who say, hey, that was a great sign of faith in the coaching staff, maybe, but this roster is a total rebuild. So where did you think going into this year? What were your expectations? Okay, so my expectations on this year, that 9-7 and seven was very overcoached. So I really don't think the roster and the talent and the depth that we had last season was really indicative of our record. I think that we have quite an excellent head coach. Um, sure, he makes some mistakes every now and then. You know, the whole Nathan Peterman thing. He's... <laughs> pretty terrible twice, about twice 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 <laughs> yeah. i know he hasn't really learned from the first time but uh <laughs> i just feel bad for aj mccarron who goes to a place and then loses a job to nathan peterman and then sees nathan peterman do the same yeah thing. you know i wasn't too crazy about nathan Pe- or i mean uh, aj mccarron my apologies you know uh, he had been back up to andy dalton for i think four years maybe And he was never able to beat out Andy for the starting job. So, like, you can't really expect someone that can't even beat out. You can't really expect much out of someone that can't really get. Well, in his his defense, I mean, there is a big difference between Andy Dalton, who's been to the playoffs, (laughs) and Nathan Peterman. Um, I I expected him to be a decent stopback gap starter. I thought that was one of your best moves at the time. Clearly, he just doesn't have it in practice. He doesn't have the arm strength, maybe, or, or the leadership to be that guy. So they went with Peterman instead. I in terms of expectations, I, I was very low on this Bills team. I thought you guys would be dead last in the league, just based on the talent level. And and you looked at it in week one. Was it as, was it worse than you expected? Presumably. Marginally worse than I expected. You know, I saw this squad and I saw them as a four to six win team. But after what I saw on Sunday, I'd be impressed with two wins this year. <laughs> wow, two wins. I'd be impressed with two wins. You're yeah. even lower on me. But you know what? At the end of the day, maybe that's a good thing. I, I don't think this – it doesn't help to win four games. You know, you might as well win two. Um, but l- let's dig a little deeper. So Peterman's out, right? I mean, yeah, Peterman's thankfully. been demoted. I, in a way, he's like the kind of boyfriend you want your new girlfriend to have dated in the past, like setting the bar very low. <laughs> I never would have thought of it like that. But that's Yeah, great, uh, I would love to date <laughs> – if my girlfriend said her ex-boyfriend was Nathan Peterman, I think I'd be in decent shape. Um, yeah. But, you know, now that that's out of the way, that that sort of poop bucket is gone, do you think this kid is ready? Josh is ready to actually start, or is it a forced start? Well, he looks pretty good in shorts. but um, <laughs> <laughs> I would not want my girlfriend to have dated Josh Allen. I would not want my girlfriend to date Josh Allen. Um, am I allowed to cuss, or am I not yeah, really allowed go to for swear? It. Go for yeah, it. no, um... I think Josh Allen's got some big dick energy. (laughs) Um, As for him being ready to start in the NFL, I will be honest with you. And I don't know if you were really checking the Bills subreddit or really following the Bills uh, online community. Uh, They hate me. That's all I know. They hate you. Who who are you a fan of? Like, what, what team are you a fan of? I, you know, I'm, I'm more marginal. I grew up a Bears fan, but I, I think just watch, I think your peak of your fandom to me, like your prime is when you're like, 14 or 15 and you don't really you know like that's your life yeah um now i'm older i don't really care that much i like watching it but i don't live and die with anyone it's particularly fair enough i'm, I'm in my 20s and i still live and die with the bills and okay. uh, talk to anyone who grew up in the buffalo area anyone who still lives here that even watches nfl it's a 
it's a ride or die thing, man. The whole spirit of the area changes when we're doing well versus when we're doing bad. You feel the losses on the Mondays when you go to work and when you go to school. So, well, and, and you know what? I get that. In my defense, in the defense of me being a shitty fan, is my family's from Chicago. We moved, mm-hmm. so like you, I I lack that sort of. Um, everyone in town is on the same page. So I, I never had that. And maybe that's why I don't feel as passionate as, as Bill's fans, yeah. but I feel for you guys. So, so, but at least there's excitement there. So you think he's, he looks big dick energy, but is that going <laughs> to translate? When, when is that going to ejaculate all over opponents? Like, is he going to ejaculate year? all over Joey Bosa? Um, hopefully, but um, I don't think he'll be throwing five interceptions on Sunday. Um, so at least we got that going for us. And so, like, when you when you drafted him, it was a very polarizing pick. I was pissed, man. I was pissed. I, I'll be honest with you. Me and my friends, we were all watching the draft together. We thought we were going to pick up Josh Rosen with that pick. Or Yeah, and it's funny. Josh Rosen, was in my amateur analysis, was the best quarterback. And Josh Allen, I was thought was the worst. Was Not necessarily the worst. I would have taken him over Lamar Jackson. I, I thought he was, like, a round two project. Yeah, I agree. And I, I wish he went to a team. I, I penciled him in for like New Orleans, where it's like he's going to go to a great situation, a mentor where he, they could really teach him the position. He's kind of being thrown to the wolves. That that was my fear for him. But I'll be honest, like you said, he's looked better than I expected in preseason. Significantly. Um, yeah, and and so who knows? You know, Darnold looked better than I thought on Monday. That I expected on Monday night. You know, I'm quite scared that I have to play him twice a year for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I knew Darnold was going to be something special, but I'm really worried he's going to be something really special. And <laughs> Well, and also, they, they seem like they've done a good job mentoring him with Josh McCown and Jeremy Bates. Their offense coordinator seems like he's done a good job. In Buffalo, his mentor has been Nathan Peterman, <laughs> Brian Dabble, who's, you know, mixed results. Yeah, it's definitely his NFL situation. record, Brian Dabble, has not been anything to be proud of. So, no, I was and, a and bit like, worried and skeptical when we hired him. Yeah, Colt McCoy, I remember, like, criticized him for ruining his career in Cleveland, I think, for ruining his confidence. But at least they're behind Josh Allen. I don't think they were behind Colt McCoy. Um, so your expectations are that he's going to be a step up from Peterman, maybe, would you say, an average rookie or an above-average rookie? Um, I'd be surprised if he's an average rookie. Quite honestly, the offensive line's quite awful. We have a terrible receiving core. Um, I'm excited to see what this kid can do, but, hey, he's going to stumble and fall a lot this season. And in all honesty, I'd rather see Josh Allen lead us to a 2-4 and four record and make a lot of mistakes and throw a lot of picks and get hit quite a bit. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But actually learn from the experience, um, you know. Well, well, the danger, of course, is, is as they say, losing your confidence. Um, d- you know, David Carr, Derek Carr's older brother, they always say that happened for him in Houston. It didn't really manifest for Jared Goff, who had a horrible rookie season. Exactly. Who had a horrible rookie season. But at what point? Peyton Manning not... had a terrible rookie season. I don't think yeah. uh, bad rookie seasons indicative of an entire terrible career. Yeah, I think Peyton threw like 28 interceptions and, and – Josh might might match that, but at what point would you think he he needs to get out of there? What if he has four interceptions in the first half? Do you say stick with him or or shelve him? <laughs> four interceptions in the yeah. first half, man, that would suck. Uh, All right, let's terrible, say let's say it's pretty realistic. Three. Yeah, um, <laughs> honestly, if 
if Josh Allen threw four interceptions in the first half. Or, or just a general stretch where he's so bad that you worry about his confidence. Or is that something that you think is, is, is a myth and it's not something that can affect him going forward? It's a player-by-player player thing. Um, quite honestly, I think he's quite strong mentally. He uh, took that Jalen Ramsey shit-talking pretty well, in my opinion. So I, for him, I think you just let him play the entire game. You're like, yeah, he's going to probably have a terrible Monday morning and he's going to have a really shitty week going into the next week. But Hey, it's the, it's the league, it's the business and you're not always going to have great games. Well, and and then going forward, it's going to be a bumpy ride. The supporting cast, as you said, is, is shaky. It's terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, there's not many brights, but the secondary is good. And then at what point does that trickle down to the coaching staff? You know, McDermott got rave reviews that first year. I think he did a great job. Can he survive a two and fourteen season? I think Buffalo Bills fans. I floated that idea that he might be on the ropes if he goes one and fifteen or two and fourteen. And Bills fans like blasted me for that. That's probably why they hate me. Do you do you think that's true? Do you think he is untouchable at this point? You know, at this point, I think that he's going to survive a two and fourteen season. I think that him and Brandon Bean, our general manager, have a lot of. They have a pretty good reputation with ownership, and I think they have a great reputation with the fans. I don't honestly think we're even going to go two and fourteen. I think we might even be able to win three games, but <laughs> three know, games. I know it's it's, it's improved feeling, in, right? the, in the ten minutes of talking to you. I sw- I, I switched from two yourself. to three. I know. I know. Yeah, you're I'm talking quite yourself optimistic. into it. <laughs> I, I, I know, I've been drinking the Sean McDermott Kool Aid, but no. Um, I think that he's an above average head coach and I think that us firing him for a two and 14 season would be a mistake. That nine and seven that we had last year is a fluke. You know, you can't expect every coach right. to be Doug Peterson, show up and win a Super Bowl in their second year. I think for him, you got to give him at least three, four years to actually see what this guy can do. If Josh well, Allen, Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, and you'd hate for him to be a victim of his own success by setting the expectations too high. It's yeah. not his fault. He went nine and seven and backslid it. He should have probably gone, you know, seven, six wins last year. Um, and he overachieved. So that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, my fear for him is, I, like you said, Brian Double, I don't have faith in the offensive coordinator. Leslie Frazier had a, a good season last year, but he's been historically, a, I think, poor lately as a coordinator. You know, for Leslie lately. Frazier and just for our defense as a whole, we had a really, really, really good secondary last year that covered up a lot of blemishes on our lines. And I can I attribute a lot of our terrible line play to Leslie Frazier. So like I wouldn't think that his job is as secure as a lot of people think it is. And maybe that's an intermediate step. If if Dabble doesn't seem like the guy, or Frazier is is struggling, as you said, behind the scenes, especially or, or to close observers, that's an adjustment he can make and bring in somebody a little new at that at that position. My fear for for McDermott is was good. my fear for Todd Bowles with the Jets. I thought Darnold would struggle. Mm-hmm. He did He did at times on Monday, but he looked overall good. But I thought he would be bumpier than that. And then in that case, I likened it to um, John Fox with Mitchell Trubisky and Jeff Fisher with Jared Goff. When you have a defensive-minded head coach and a young quarterback who's struggling, the default for ownership is to say, we need an offensive guru in here to straighten this kid out. Does does McDermott and Dabble have that sort of cachet as offensive developers if Josh Allen goes off the rails? 
So are you asking me, do you think like the front off, like the bills, the like up ownership is going to be like, oh, we got to get these guys out of here and we got to bring like an offensive minded guru into the situation I, I, if they don't do well? Is that the question? That's basically the premise. I, it's not something that I believe in, but in a way, like I think Josh Allen, how he looks is more important than the record. The record's going to be, you know, two, three, four or five wins. Yeah. If he looks completely lost for the entire year, what, how can you be confident that it's going to turn around with this coaching staff next year? That's a great question. Um, Cause as for Jared Goff, that was, you know, they turned around because they brought in Sean McVay, who was like an offensive genius. Um, I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head where you had a rookie quarterback who stumbled awfully in his first season and they kept the same coach. They kept the same coordinator within the past five, six years. And then just out of nowhere, he became a great, you know, top 15 quarterback in the league by his sophomore season. So that that's a tough question. I don't think Josh Allen's going to look lost, though. Um, yeah, that, that's oh. certainly a premise. Like, I, I was going to say to you, like, and it's the wrong instinct in a way to say, hey, this young quarterback's struggling. Let's change the whole offense and the whole playbook and make him start over. Yeah. That continuity is a good thing. I, I think in a way, Sean McVay – hurt coaches around the league by making them this false set of expectations that you exactly. can back to the switch. Um, so, but I think you're right. As long as Josh Allen shows something, flashes, that potential, hey, this is a long road, but it's on the right track, I don't think the coaching staff is in trouble. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that one. And quite honestly, I don't think that the the ownership is really – I don't think that the Pagulas are going to be looking to get rid of Sean McDormand nor Brandon Bean if we have a two and four, three and or two and fourteen, three and thirteen, even one and fifteen season. You know, I think that they understand the patient that comes along with this and they see the competency that this coach and GM have, you know. It's like night and day seeing this guy and Rex Ryan. Um with Rex Ryan by year two, they were very clear, like, hey, you take us to the playoffs, your ass is out of Buffalo. And so moving forward, seeing it's a long rebuild. And you sign off on McDermott, sign off on Josh Allen. You think he has enough talent, obviously, and the attitude and the intellect. He's a smart kid to get there. How would you build this team around them? There's still holes all across the roster. Going forward, would you like to see them address the the offensive line first, the playmakers first, the defensive first? Where where would you prioritize next? Where would I prioritize? Um, Quite honestly, we needed a good offensive line. You have a strong offensive line like Dallas. You could just put in a scrub and you could throw 30,000 yards a season. So I think that, in my personal opinion, I think for offense, the, the line's more important than any of the skilled players. So you give the guys some time and you give the running backs good coverage and good blocking and you give them good like holes they can run through, then you're just going to see your offense improve marginally. You know, Ricky being gone and Eric Wood being gone, we're going to notice. I mean, we already noticed it, but we're only yeah. going to notice it even more as the season goes on. You know, those are two very important pieces to our offense that we just lost out of nowhere. Well, and it shows you the Rex Ryan era was troubled, but, you know, the great. He got that one right. He got the line right. Yeah, they had that powerful running game, and, that, and that's eroded to the point where it's become a problem. The line's become a problem for sure. But I, I think. And I was going to wonder, the last thing I want to ask you is Kelvin Benjamin, who's mm-hmm. a polarizing figure. He's about 10 pounds away from being an offensive lineman himself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, you could switch him there or a tight end. I could see it. I, it seems like Bill's fans, when I was talking to them, were totally on board with him. So they say, this guy's a thousand yard receiver. He's a number one threat. When I watch him, 
A thousand yard receipt, man. They've been drinking the Kool Aid. They so have been drinking are, the Kool Aid. They <laughs> are you ready to wash your hands of him as a starter, or you just think he's like a second or third option? He's the best we got right now. So as of right now, we got to keep him as our number one. I don't. If I'm being honest with you, I don't see KB Calvin Benjamin being a number one option on any other NFL team. <laughs> that just goes maybe on the Cowboys, but like. Outside of, like, us and them, two teams with very awful receiving core, like, the talent, he's not a number one receiver. Uh, well, and just the speed, and I think that's why Carolina dumped him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look like, what happened. He was injured in the damn near 116 games. Yeah, and, and it wasn't a coincidence. Um, I think he, he still has the potential. I, I think it's a matter, I don't know if it's a health issue, keeping his fitness off or it's just a work ethic issue but he's a pretty fucking arrogant guy like i I mean i hate to trash talk players on my own team but like the way he was talking about cam kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah and do you think he is he is he ever is do you think he's on the team next year let's just ask that do i think he's on the team next year no probably not i tend to agree and we'll look forward to it i i just talked to a Chargers fan who is very optimistic about his team's chances going forward. <laughs> Lol, they're not going to do that great. I mean, well, they, the they Chargers always actually... talk a gang of shit during the preseason, during the offseason, and then they end up going like 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. I, I was buying the Kool-Aid 100% of the Chargers. I think they're really talented. Bosa, it sounds like, is not going to play against you guys, which is a nice sigh of relief. Yeah. Um, do you expect this, this kind of game to be 20-point blowout, or do you think the, the Bills are going to hang tough? <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, a twenty-point blowout is a lot better than a forty-three-point, forty-four-point blowout. Progress. Um, that's that's good. No, it's I progress. Think... It's progress. You know, maybe we might only lose by three scores instead of five. But I, but, I like uh... your I like your attitude. I like the Bills fans' attitude. If I when I have a Madden franchise, I know this is a stupid example. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. I I like to clear it out, blow it up, rebuild from the ground up. Um. And I think as long as Bills fans have that sort of expectation in place or at least thrust upon them, you could see that vision going forward as long as you're confident in your navigator and your coaching staff. And it sounds like you are. Yeah, I'm very confident in Sean McDermott. I think they, you know, if the relationship between him, our GM and our owners go well, I think he's going to be here for quite a long time. Uh, He's a smart guy. I think he's got a very high football IQ and I just... That nine and seven record, you can completely attribute that to him. You can't say that Tyrod carried the team to nine and seven. You can't say our secondary carried it to him. It was just great coaching decisions throughout the season. And, and so I, I agree. So that's why when I say about him being on the hot seat, it's mostly just hypothetical. I think. Yeah. Year, I think next year will really be the make or break year for him if if it goes badly. Um, but and we'll see about Josh Allen. I, I don't think anyone should be rushing to judgment after this week. I think you'd agree with that. Yeah, let's, I agree let's give with that. him a few months. Um, and even maybe all of next year. I, I think it would be silly to jump to conclusions there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think that he probably needs a solid two years before you can actually judge who he is as a quarterback, as most of these rookies are. Like, I think that, you know, uh, you know, quarterback's the most important position in, like, American sports, so they're always, you know, under the microscope. But you really got to give these guys solid two, three seasons before you can really accurately judge who they are. Yeah, so let's just see a peak. A little bit of that big dick you want to see. A little testicle slip. <laughs> just like one like, 70-yard throw would be cool. Just see him hit somebody. And then, that would be cool as hell, man. And, you know, I think he's going to have a couple of those this season. Is he going to have one tomorrow? Yeah, yeah probably he's going to throw – or this Sunday he's probably going to throw it to the wrong team. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, hey, that's something. It's something to watch. And it's funny. The Bills 
for as bad as they played, they, they are a talking point. They're one of the biggest talking points of this weekend. It's kind of a fun thing to talk about them and see them progress. So hopefully now it's going to be in a good way. Wish you luck. Wish all the Bills Thanks, fans man. You guys have a great attitude and passion for the game. So I hope it works out. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I say one more thing? Yes. Fuck the Patriots. Fuck the Jets. Fuck the Dolphins. Yes. Well, Fuck I'll the have Chargers. That and uh, honestly, I'm trying to think of other teams I don't like. And I don't like the Chiefs either because they – they always give us some trouble too, but yeah, definitely fuck the Patriots. Tom Brady's uh, an overrated system quarterback. And perfect. I'll take that well, to the that, that was that's a, a very on brand thing for Buffalo, right? Now. <laughs> Gallo, mad at the world, chip on your shoulder. That's a good way to end it. Thanks so much for doing this. Man. Really Thank you. It. Take it easy, man. All right, you take it. Okay, guys, that's it. Those are our two interviews for this week. I wanted to thank my guests for coming on, and and I thought they did a great job, honestly. Every time I reach out to people through Reddit and try to have them on the broadcast, I expect them to come on and be like psychopaths or something or just babbling fools. And so far, every time, they've done a great job. They've been really articulate, given knowledge. They've been much better at this than I am, but I'm the one with with the app, so I get to do the talking at the end. Um, And... To that end, I wanted to touch on a few teams we did not get to, the Steelers and the Lions, because I think those were two teams that had pretty high expectations and fell flat in week one. With the Steelers, I wouldn't take too much from this tie. I know it was kind of a shocking game in some ways, but you have to look at the positives, I think, if you're a Steelers fan. There was actually some silver linings. I think the defense played pretty well. The linebacking core looked good. And so as long as Roethlisberger doesn't go, you know, interception happy throughout the season, I think they're going to be right in that playoff mix. I mean, the only negative you might see from this weekend in terms of real concern is that the Ravens look pretty good. They looked really good this weekend, but there should be a pretty good team. And I think the Bengals are a pretty good team. Both those teams are going to be in the nine win range and real threats. It's going to be a higher hurdle this year in the north. And the team that might have more concerns, I think, is the Lions. I think it's a very interesting situation to monitor. On one hand, you got to give the Jets a lot of credit. A pleasant surprise. I really expected Sam Darnold to struggle this year as a young rookie. That first drive where he threw across his body and uh, the pick six, I thought we'd see a lot more of that. That was the Sam Darnold I expected to see this year. And we still might, but he really settled down in a great way and led the team to a victory. From the Lions' point of view, you know, it might be a little alarm bells ringing. Matt Patricia, we wanted to know, is he is he this defensive guru or not? Turns out, maybe not. I mean, I, I don't think he could be expected to be. The talent just really isn't there on the Lions right now up front. This is not going to be a great defense. You know, it's going to be an average defense. And in that end, their success is going to hinge on Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford is somebody that I had really high expectations for this year. I, I kind of touted him as a dark horse MVP. I thought his receiving core was loaded. I thought they were going to be slinging the ball 40, 50 times a game and he would be getting up to that 5,000 yard range. And he still might. I think those interceptions won't last. I think he'll be just fine. But the problem is the running game. You know, that was the big question mark coming into this year. Patricia kept Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, in place. Didn't bring in his own guy just because the offense had done pretty well. But they hadn't done well in the running game. It's been a Achilles heel for them for five years now. And they keep, you know, it's like almost like a black hole. They keep throwing runners in there and they keep throwing offensive linemen in there and nothing seems to work. 
and it didn't work again on Monday night. They ran a few times. I, you know, I think they had about 10 carries for their running backs. They really didn't seem to commit to the run. LeGarrette Blount looked like he's about 802 years old. He really, I don't think, serves much of a function anymore. He's, when he comes into the game, it's very predictable. It's going to be a sluggish run play. And I think Jim Bob Cooter really needs to get that on track or his job is online. I, I think Matt Patricia is kind of inching for a reason to get rid of him and bring in somebody else or promote George Godsey, the quarterback coach, who he's more familiar with. So that's definitely a situation to monitor going forward. I think of all the coordinators, Jim Bob is probably, his seat is probably the warmest. Um, I still have high expectations for their offense and for Matt Stafford, and he should be able to carry them still to about eight wins. But, you know, one or two more losses, ugly losses without a running game, and, and he might be in trouble. So that's something to look forward to in the future to see how this all shakes out. So we'll see. Week two, I might change everything I said just now. And I'll delete the podcast and no one listened anyway, so no one will know. But if you did, thanks for listening. Talk to you later.